Welcome back to the Dynasty Optimists. We're here with a special episode. You got your boy Brad on the mic here, and we, I got Andrew with me as always. Andrew, how's it going today? Going great, bro. Going great. I'm super excited to get in here and go through some of these questions with Jerry and you know, see what we have. All right. So like Andrew just said, we got a, a little bit of a special guest here today. We got the Jersey Giants, Jerry himself joining us uh, to, I don't know, just get a little interview with us going. So Jerry, how's it going, man? Hey guys, uh, it's, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be part of the league. Thanks for having me. No, of course, of course. So we're, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Let's get right into it. Why are you a Giants fan? I, it, I just, there's nothing to make it okay to me. How did you become a Giants fan? I was born a Giants fan. I've always been a Giants fan and I'm going to die a Giants fan. I love my Giants. <laughs> um, so Ever since, uh, ever since I was a kid, I don't remember cheering for any other team. I don't know if it was like, you know, I just, you know, that's what I grew up around. That's what uh, my family always cheered for. Um, and I don't ever remember, you know, rooting for another team. It was always the Giants. I love the Giants. Um, yeah, ever since I was a kid. Uh even when I was uh, in Jordan, I uh, lived in Jordan for many years. I would uh, watch football games on Sundays in Jordan, like at very late at night, just early Monday morning there. And it was always the Giants. That's that's the team I would want to watch. And that's that, that was, uh, you know, that was what me and my family, would be the team we loved. <laughs> so and being from New Jersey, probably definitely had a had a some influence there. No, that, that makes sense. And I, I kind of appreciate the passionate fan, especially the passionate fan of a uh, not-so-great franchise. I mean, the Giants have had their moments. So I, I can't say anything. I'm a Raiders fan, so it's I've, I've known the ups and downs, and it's, uh, it's tough. <laughs> but uh, So since you've been a Giants yep. fan your whole life, uh, what's who's your favorite Giants player of all time? Or maybe give me one or two guys that are your favorites. Eli the Goat Manning is uh, would have to be my absolute favorite Giants player of all time. Okay, well, just going right off of that, I got to ask you, is, is Eli a Hall of Famer in your eyes? Do you think he is? Absolutely. Absolutely. He has the stats to back it up. He's top 10 all-time passing yards, passing touchdowns, uh, passing uh, attempts, uh, completions. Like, he statistically, he covers all of the, the ground of a Hall of Famer. Like, that alone, you put all, all his statistics aside, the two Super Bowl uh, championships, along with the two Super Bowl MVPs, and the in the manner in which he did it against one of the greatest uh, quarterbacks of all time, and one of the, against one of the greatest teams of all time in two thousand seven. Uh, I mean, that alone, uh, you know, it solidifies him as a Hall of Famer. Uh, you can't write the history of the NFL without uh, without Eli Manning. Uh, Eli Manning, he's just uh, you know, he he always showed up in those moments when you needed him most, and that's when you need a quarterback uh, to to step up. He he in those big moments when you needed him most, he was there and he and he delivered. Um, and if you need evidence of that, look at the Eli Manning to Manningham pass, absolutely clutch. Or the that was in 2012. Or if you want to look at another in his, the previous Super Bowl. The Eli Manning to David Tyree, the helmet catch. I, you know, you can't write the history of the of the NFL without Eli Manning. So he absolutely is a Hall of Famer. No, I respect that. I respect that opinion. And 
Uh, just a real quick follow up on that, uh, just because it's what I've from what I've seen from people who argue the other side of it is that one main argument is that people don't think that Eli Manning was ever top five at his position, and uh, a lot of people think that. Uh, actually probably myself included would think that a player should probably be top five at this position at some point in his career do you think Eli was top five at some point in his career or do you think that just doesn't matter as much so I forgot to mention one thing which kind of ties into the top five he was always there he played 210 consecutive starts as a, as a quarterback and not only he may not have been top five at his position uh but he was always the top 10 at, uh, you know, at his prime, he was top 10. And he was always there every Sunday, and he will always play, and he was always there. He was Mr. Reliable. You know on Sunday he's going to play for your team. So I'd rather have a player that's going to show up on a Sunday and actually be available to play on a Sunday than a player who will be there maybe five, six games a season and does great in those five, six games, but the rest of the season he's injured. Um, you know, that being said... He in his in his prime, he if you can name me three or four, uh, you know elite players he had around him. You know I'll give you a second, but I I highly doubt you can name elite players. He did what he did with the players around him and the teams around him. Um, just goes to say how like how much of a consistent quarterback he was. Um, you know I just, I just love the guy, and all of this is obviously not biased at all being a Giants fan this is no bias going into any of these opinions so I love that I love that and uh, honestly I kind of like what you said about him not having the elite talent around him because to be honest I I can't name uh, the elite talent he had around him uh he had good players but probably not great players so that's uh, that's a really good point I like that um Mm -hmm. uh I know who's going to be at your chop on this one just based on what you've told me uh the 2004 quarterback draft class was an absolutely awesome draft class we got some Hall, potential Hall of mm-hmm. Famers from there, and to you, will be Hall of Famers. Rank the three guys from the 2004 draft class that matter: Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, and Philip Rivers. Who's one, two, and three, and why? Number one, Eli Manning. Number two, Ben Roethlisberger. Number three, Philip Rivers. Uh, their careers really speak for themselves. Eli Manning has two championships. Uh, he's done it on the big stage twice. When you needed him most, he was there. Uh, he uh, statistically was done as has done outstanding uh that being said ben roethlisberger had one championship he did a great job as well um unfortunately philip rivers got drafted uh to the uh team that the that uh drafted eli manning if you guys remember if you guys were uh, old enough to remember that but they uh the whole trade happened and so uh who who knows what would have happened to Eli Manning, if he was on the Chargers. But that being said, I mean, Philip Rivers kind of was dealt a, you know, a, a bad hand in a way. Uh, he would, they would always come short. Um, I, you know, that's why I would rank him number three. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Uh, that's, I, I'd say consensus most of the time has Ben Roethlisberger at the top, but I see a lot of people having the Eli Manning argument as well, just because of the two championships and, like you said, showing up on the big stage. Uh, you, you obviously have mm-hmm. a a love for Eli Manning. Is there any other players that are not on the Giants maybe that you either have respected their career a lot or maybe just like a a favorite player of yours to watch that wasn't on the Giants in the NFL? Uh, I'll give you two players. So one that is, he's retired now, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Absolutely loved the guy. Loved 
his play style, his his on field, off the field. The guy just is, uh, you know, his personality is so he. I, it's attractive. I don't know what it is. It's just it's about his personality. He just doesn't care, doesn't give a shit, um, and uh, and hates the media and hates hates their BS questions that they hand him and and is just himself. He's just truly authentic and he's a genuine person. And uh, he goes back to his community and just an all around great guy. I, I you know I can't put my finger on it. It's all those things together. I just loved him. Um, I also had him on so many team of my fantasy teams. <laughs> in the early uh, uh, like 2011 and 12 and when he was great um, and now currently one of my non-Giants favorite players I would say is DK Metcalf who I traded for uh, absolutely love the guy um, from the draft of when he was drafted to to him chasing down Buda Baker like I just love the guy and uh, yeah I like that I, I'm a huge Marshawn fan too and Marshawn was on the Raiders for a little bit too, and I even though he wasn't in the prime of his career, he was he was a player that I loved on the Raiders. Just same same reasons as you had, just the attitude. He was just a fun dude, and is he's just very charismatic. And watching him on TV and doing all of his television stuff now is uh, I think is pretty cool. Uh, but let's move away from mm-hmm. the just regular NFL stuff and kind of get into some fantasy questions. Just because hey, this this is a fantasy football league that we're in. Uh, you've made a lot of moves, mm-hmm. obviously, since you have joined the league. You've been very, very active in the trade market, very active in chat. One of the early moves you made you made in this league was, well, one, to acquire DK Metcalf, and two, you acquired Darnell Mooney. And Darnell Mooney is a really polarizing player right now, I think, uh, to many Dynasty fans. People, some people have him ranked very highly. Some people do not. He obviously had a great season with uh, Justin Fields in his rookie year. What do you think we can expect from Darnell Mooney this year, and uh, where do you think he potentially could finish uh, in the final ra- in in the final rankings at the end of the season? Um, so, if you look back to his when he was drafted in 2020, uh, he had an, an outstanding season for a rookie, and then to follow that up in 2021 with another great season with over a thousand yards and like 140 targets. You can't deny that Justin Fields loves this guy. He loves targeting him. He loves looking his way, and being on a Matt Nagy offense, it I and and to produce those kinds of numbers is 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 nothing short of a miracle, <laughs> uh, to say the very least. Um, now with a new staff coming in, uh, and uh, you know with Allen Robinson leaving leaving. Uh, you have Marquise uh, Goodwin is leaving, and I, I, you know, he's the only guy that's there. Uh, that being said, even if they draft someone, which I, I expect them, or if they sign someone, um, he will be the, you know, that will draw targets. People are going to think that that's going to draw targets away from him. I think the opposite. That's going get, to get, allow him to open up more, get more, uh, catch more balls, uh, and he's just going to be a staple in that offense in a young, with a young quarterback that is just growing. Um, so I'm just I just love the guy and I think he has so much potential uh, moving forward. No, I love that. I, I I think I'm a little split on Darnell Mooney personally, and uh, I'm going to turn it over to Andrew here in a second. And I know he's a little split on him too because I see the potential of where Darnell Mooney could be. I also see the reason for people selling now because his value is so high. But I do there is a part of me that agrees with you in the sense. Uh, well, I, I like what you how you put it is they will be adding another guy this offseason, whether it be through the draft or through free agency. But that that doesn't always hurt a guy, especially a guy who's 
more reliance on big plays like Darnell Mooney is that maybe actually will open him up more. But uh, Andrew, what do you what do you got for Jerry today? Well, uh, first I'd like to talk about Darnell Mooney real quick before I start asking some more of these questions here. On keep trade cut, there's Mooney and then there's Chase Claypool, and right now they're back to back on keep trade cut. If you had, uh, you know, obviously you like Mooney because you acquired him. However, would you prefer Claypool if you had the opportunity to acquire Claypool? Or is Mooney still your guy, even with some of the uncertainties? Because you have uncertainties on both sides. That That is a great question. And it's funny that you asked that because just today I was trying to trade for Claypool. Um, and uh, it, did, it didn't work out. I was trying to trade with the uh, curb stompers. Uh, and it didn't work out. I, I do like both players. Um, I would prefer uh, Darnell Mooney, uh, personally. Uh, but I do think Claypool has immense upside. Uh, the guy is physically gifted. He's 6'4", 230-something. Like, he is a monster. And his his ceiling is so high as well. You can't deny that. Um, I, I personally, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a toss-up. Both are, uh, you know... Both are great players to target, or at least I'm trying to target. Um, but I would prefer Darnell Mooney. Um, that being said, the the, the the big the big reason I do prefer Darnell Mooney, I would say, is another thing is he has the 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 path to targets. Uh, I think Chase Claypool had there's a lot a lot more mouths to feed on the Pittsburgh offense, so that kind of uh, caps his upside a little bit. Um, but he has that big play threat. Like he, if he gets, if uh, Pittsburgh gets a quarterback like Malik Willis or someone who could stretch the field, uh, Claypool's upside is is ridiculous. Just to you know, just to put it lightly, he can he can explode. Uh, so I, I like both players, but right now I would prefer uh, Mooney. Okay, I mean I, I totally respect your your logic there and where you're coming from. I I think I'm right there with you. I think Claypool has immense upside. I love Claypool's upside. And personally, I'm trying to buy Claypool everywhere I can, especially because of the uncertainties at the quarterback position. Uh, like you said, being you know a quarterback that has the ability to stretch the field and allow Claypool to be that uh, that deep threat that we all know he can be, or at least we've seen in you know that small sample size uh, in Pittsburgh. But I want, to, I want to segue a, a little bit away from that and talk more about your your acquisition of the DK Metcalf and the Wilson stack. Most dynasty managers, or most fantasy football managers, really love stacks. I think that's really popular. People love to pair, you know, uh, a potentially elite quarterback. Obviously, some people argue Wilson's not a quarterback anymore in, in fantasy football, and they don't like his hot and cold streaks that he, he goes through, but... Usually, you like to acquire that quarterback and that that you know number one wide receiver in that offense because everyone knows that's when when it hits right, it's money and it, it'll sometimes win you weeks, right? Just straight up, those two players will just win you weeks if they can if the stars align and they connect really well. Now, when you got that stack, uh, wh- what was your your mindset going into the season or joining our league? Excuse me, was that your number one priority because you did talk about dk metcalf or did you have like another player that you wanted to get instead of the dk metcalf russell wilson stack uh my goal was entering the league and making those trades i have i had a an older roster 
very competitive uh, win now roster. Um, that being said, I had no picks as well, so I could have I could go into the season winning, uh, maybe winning the championship or you know uh, competing and making it to the semifinals. But uh, moving forward, it was difficult for me. It wasn't a sustainable formula. Um, so I tried to target guys like DK Metcalf who are young, promising, and have, uh, you know, ha- have that future ahead of them because they're young, um, and, uh, and, and, and still be competitive. Um, so the, the DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson stack, it was, it, it, it was not, it's not that I planned it. It, it worked out really nicely the way it did with the trades, but I, I never planned for it. I, I tried to get DK Metcalf cause I love the player. And, uh, and I love his upside. Uh, the Russell Wilson trade was uh, because I was trying, I was shopping around D, uh, Dak Prescott to everyone and their mother. Uh, I just did not like the player. And uh, you guys hit on this uh, last podcast, last episode. Um, but I did not want DK Metcalf on my, uh, <laughs> not DK Metcalf, I'm sorry. I did not want Dak Pre- uh, Prescott on my team. So, uh, and I do love Russell Wilson. So, uh, when I uh, the when I, when I made the trade with Philly the the Philadelphia Air Rats uh, I, I do I love I loved the possibility that I could get that stack um, but uh, I was mainly looking to trade away Dak Prescott so that was and it, and it worked out beautifully where I did get that stack because if Russell Wilson has a great year uh, you know a great week and and uh, and and throws two touchdowns to DK Metcalf that automatically wins you the week and that happens a lot uh you know Russell Wilson when he's cooking he can he can destroy defenses um so I just love the upside and that that stack that can just win you any given week with just these two guys going off yeah I totally I totally respect that and I really like your your logic there however one thing that you did mess up here is on this podcast, there are no air rats. There's only the poverty rats. That's it. There, there's no Philly air rats. Poverty rats only. <laughs> poverty so rats, uh, make sure to get that right next time. So now I want to gotcha. ask you. <laughs> uh, now I want to ask you about Russell Wilson one more time. And is there any kind of worry for you about you know Russell Wilson staying with the Seahawks next year and in the future? You know, I mean, there's a lot of uh, whispers in the bushes that he could be on the move. He's not happy, right? All of those things. This could be the final season, 2022. And also, after that, one more thing regarding the Seahawks. Dynasty values. Where is Russell Wilson in your QB rankings? And also DK Metcalf in your wide receiver rankings? Because both, most people can argue right now, have they've lowered in value this off season. So I'm curious to see if maybe you've lowered them, lowered both of them a little bit, or maybe you're just rock solid with their rankings. Uh, people are too fickle. They, uh, they change rankings and jump off of people that are proven studs very quickly. Uh, and I've found that to be true in the stock market and especially in fantasy football. Um, so Russell Wilson, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid if, if he's traded, he's an absolute, elite player wherever he is uh he is going to play at the highest level he is consistently for the past uh 10 years he's top 10 he was 2000 he was eighth third third 
tenth, first, ninth, third, sixth in in uh in in positional rankings in in fantasy. Uh, he is a top ten. If he is healthy, he is top ten, and he is he is his entire most of his career he has been healthy except for this past year. Um, so I am not worried about him at all. He's thirty three years old. He takes care of himself extremely well. That's something people uh, don't realize about him, I guess, as much. Uh, he takes care of himself just as well as Tom Brady takes care of himself uh, with the off-season program. He spends over a million dollars on his health and and conditioning in the off-season. Um, that being said, I I do hope he stays in in in, uh, in Seattle, and I think he will. I think this is just uh, you know uh, this is just gossip in the media trying to create a story and for for headlines. Uh, I think he stays in Seattle, and he's just you know his camp is doing this just so they can. Uh, try to get a better contract and long-term deal for him. Um, there's no way that uh, Seattle lets him uh, walk out the door. Um, that's my opinion. And if they do, it's just foolish on their part because <laughs> the guy is uh, hes truly amazing. Yeah, so the last part, uh, I, I, t- not to give the exact rankings because I don't have them in front of me. I'd have to pull them up, but both of them are top 10 dynasty easily. I think DK Metcalf is top five. I think Russell uh, Wilson is easily top ten uh, quarterback, maybe even top five dynasty. I'd have to double check my listings, but my my rankings. But uh, you know, they're both top ten, and you know, people are too fickle. They should, you know, if you believe in a guy and trust in a guy, uh, you know, uh, stick stick to your guns. Totally, totally agree. Once again, I mean. It's like you and I think very similarly. Um, I love DK Metcalf. I think he's a top five dynasty wide receiver easily. I have him in the top five. And people people sour way too quickly on these elite producers that uh, can just that show this elite upside. And it's very difficult to find players like that that have a weak winning uh, potential. Uh, and DK Metcalf is one of them. So. If we're going on hypotheticals here in terms of uh, Russell Wilson on the move, DK Metcalf potentially on the move, who knows, right? Where would you like, you know, to see one or each one go? I mean, if Russell Wilson could go to, for example, Pittsburgh or Denver or something like that, and then DK Metcalf, I mean, which offense would you like to see him play for if it wasn't for Seattle? DK Metcalf, I think, would fit very well in a team like the Saints. Uh, they need uh, wide receivers. With Michael Thomas constantly injured, DK Metcalf can fill in uh, and 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 fill in on that, uh, fill in as a wonderful wideout for the future for uh, the Saints. Um, I, I, I hope it doesn't happen. I don't think it's going to happen. But if it were to be a team like that, uh, like, like uh, the Saints, it would be ideal fit. Another possibility is him going to a team like the Chargers uh, with Mike Williams. His contract is up. Uh, he would be uh, tied to a young quarterback like Justin Herbert, and they would they would just explode on a weekly basis. Uh, he could stretch the field, and his speed and his his six six foot four, two thirty five. Like the guy is a monster. Like he can he could, he will take that uh, the Chargers offense to a next level. Um, to just think about that is scary. Uh, with him paired with Justin uh, Justin Herbert, um, and as a football fan, I'd love to see it. Um, and as a fantasy fantasy manager, I think I'd love to see it as well. But um, best best landing spot, I think, is 
the dream landing spot would be in San Diego. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think it happens. I think they uh, extend Mike Williams. They give him, they franchise tag him, or they give him a longer, longer, longer contract, long-term contract. Um, but that would be a dream landing spot. Is probably the Chargers. Oh man, don't even get me started on such a mouth-watering landing spot. Can you imagine the fantasy potential in uh, in Los Angeles? Because it's no, it's no longer San Diego. You, you did make that mistake. It's it's Los Angeles now. But oh my um, goodness, yes, you're right. You're right. Yep. Sorry, keep <laughs> keep messing that up. But yeah. Yeah, but Justin Herbert, DK Metcalf. I mean, at that point, I think most people would have to be foolish to keep AJ Brown over DK Metcalf in Dynasty, because people to this day, and I'm assuming Brad's probably one of those people, has AJ Brown ranked ahead of DK Metcalf even in that pedestrian Tennessee offense. I do. Yeah. So, like I said, there it is. Um, okay, so now we're gonna we're gonna change gears here. We're gonna go to more of a Dynasty theory kind of question and we're going to talk about uh your roster and potentially the uh theory of building dynasty rosters in general so how many more years of contention do you feel like you have on your roster until you potentially need to blow it up and rebuild or you know retool at least a little bit and also do you think that um rebuilds are required by managers uh, you know, when they uh, are blowing up their roster? Do you think that a blow-up is necessary? Or do you think maybe just a small, like, pivot, kind of like what you've been doing so far is trading away those older kind of assets and acquiring young ones is the way to go? Uh, I don't think it's necessary if you've created your... If your roster is, uh, you know, is a good balance between younger players and older players, there's no need to blow it up. I think that's just... Uh, it's foolish. You're just uh, kind of throwing away a season. I feel like there's always the opportunity to compete while you're rebuilding, um, and that consists of having younger players with huge upside and proven older veterans um, that can uh, score and 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 consistently score and and win you weeks. Now, um, uh, that being said, I think my team uh, is is a win now. It's built like that. The way with the trades that I made, it's built like in that fashion that it's I do have young potential moving uh, for the future, and I have some veterans for to help me win now. Um, I think I will stay competitive for maybe two years, three years if I'm lucky, um, and then at that time I probably have my draft picks for the future drafts. Um, and I, I don't plan on trading them away because uh, my current team has uh, very few draft picks, and that's the lifeblood of your team. You need draft picks. Um, so I'm at least this is my hope, is I hope I'm competitive for the next two to three years, and, uh, and to help keep that going, I'd have draft picks by the time that uh, 2020, I think it's four, 2025 season rolls around. And let's just hope that those guys are uh, are good players and good fantasy uh, prospects. Hey, no, I totally respect that. It it almost felt like you were speaking to me on like a spiritual level when you say that you can contend and rebuild at the same time because that's kind of like my philosophy. Um, I, of course, sometimes it bites me in the ass and I don't win. You know, the, I don't win uh, specific playoff matchups I need to win to advance to the championship game, or I don't win championships because I do this. 
I tend to acquire draft capital because I love drafting and I'm very confident in my drafting ability, even though I make mistakes and everyone does. Uh, I like to acquire young assets and draft capital at the same time. So I'm always competing, but I'm always rebuilding at the same time. So it's like I'm doing both continuously. Uh, some managers like to throw everything they have, like for example, your previous manager. Uh, he likes to throw all of his draft capital at you know veteran players to try and increase their chances of winning as much as possible. And sometimes they win, sometimes they don't. If they win a championship, hey, it might be worth it to them because winning championships is what Dynasty is all about at the end of the day, right? But uh, I like to draft a little bit too much and I get attached to some of these rookies that, and I just have to have them. And that's just kind of the guy I am. But uh, I, I, re I totally respect your opinion when you say that. And uh, I think your roster easily has two to three more seasons left of, of competition there. And I'm really curious to see what these moves will do for your roster going forward. To add on to that a little bit, so one nice thing I like about my roster is that I have the starting running backs who are studs like Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook. Uh, and then I also have their backups who are young uh, young guys that could potentially take over the backfield in the future, like Madison and Dernis Johnson. Um, so that's a nice little uh, thing I got going for my roster right there. Uh, and it helps me uh, moving forward in the future to have uh, two starting running backs potentially. Oh, I completely agree with that. And I think it's great for really any dynasty roster to have both uh, of those options available to them in the future. Now, to close out the episode, I only have one more question for you. And it's regarding your flex positions on your current roster. The two players you have in your flex positions who are projected the, the highest points are Rondale Moore and the overpaid, overvalued Kenny Galladay. What are your thoughts on those two players, especially Kenny Galladay, uh, seeing how the Giants are paying him a truckload of money to do absolutely nothing on the football field. Uh, so first off, I'd like to uh, give a shout out to Dave Gettleman, our previous GM, for giving uh, a disgusting contract <laughs> to Kenny Galladay. Um, uh, that being said, I think um, he, he's absolutely being paid way too much, way more than he uh, should have gotten. Um, but that being that being said, Kenny Galladay is a great wide receiver. I think he just could not stay healthy. Uh, he uh, has not had the opportunity to, you know, even build a rapport with Daniel Jones. Um, and if he can stay healthy, um, I think he has a lot, a lot of upside. I mean, he's at rock bottom, his value right now. That's why I haven't been trying to trade him at all because, you know, it's, it's rock bottom value for him right now. And I think he has a lot of upside, especially with Brian Dable coming into the offense. Um, he is notorious for scheming up these crazy offensive schemes and like different using different packages and just uh he's a very creative uh offensive mind so i think he was gonna he's gonna uh help kenny galladay uh reach his potential uh and be significantly better than you know the the, the absolute horrific season he had last year um and now for rondell moore i love his upside i really think he is uh, a young player that has so much potential. He is he's a smaller player, but he's so shifty, and he could be used in so many different ways in that offense. 
Um, and I think, I mean, I think he'll have a great year next year. Uh, I, you know, I, I hope he, I hope he gets better, but you know, he, he, he's still young. It's too, it's too early to uh, call him a bust. I think, I think he has a lot of a great future ahead of him and, and, uh, and I just hope it pans out. I love the Rondale Moore take. I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm really high on Rondale Moore personally, and I know a lot of dynasty managers have soured on him. I love the shiftiness. I love the, the more gadget role that he possesses. I'm just hoping that it's unlocked going forward and we can see him more involved. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Andrew, do you have anything else for our man Jerry here? No, that's going to do it, man. That, that's that's going to close it out. All right. Well, Jerry, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, it's it's been It's been great, man. It's been a pleasure. I had a ton of fun, guys. Thank you for having me. Of course. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys, to the Dynasty Optimists, and uh, we'll talk to you again here soon.